All right, good morning. Today on the T Podcast, we're going to be talking with Justin Centani. Centani, not Centani. Not Centani, no. Okay, it's, uh, all right. Centani. Justin Santani. We're going to be talking with him about his uh, coming up story into coming from Thibodeau into Lafayette and his career path and what led him into becoming vice president on the Lafayette Parish School Board for the Lafayette Parish School System. And also he's running for candidate of... Taxes, Lafayette Paris tax assessment. That's correct. So, um, yeah, so sit I've back. I've got a lot going on. Yeah, you do have a lot. <laughs> you have a lot. So, uh, yeah, sit back, relax. If you have questions, feel free to ask them because I have a few questions myself that I've heard people talk about. So, yeah, anyway, this is the tea. All right, so before we get too far down the road, this is our presenting sponsor, Chase Group Construction. They are a great local company. Basically, Chase Group takes the lead and becomes your one point of contact for the entire design build process. They have a diverse portfolio of projects that range from medical, popular restaurants like the Fat Pats in Broussard and Bro Bridge, and also multi-unit shopping centers. You can check them out. Their website, chasegroupconstruction.com. Their website and logos on the screen if you are watching. And if you're not watching, you just heard me say their website. So go check them out. And uh, yeah, thank you for being a presenting sponsor there, Chase. Okay. So, Justin, let me go ahead and get our side-by-side camera here uh, connected before I figure out how to, let's see. There we go. You're on, actually, you're on the wrong side of me. me, (laughs) So, we're going to change that real quick. There And there we go. Okay, so, welcome to the T-Podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate being here. Yeah, um, I know we spoke several, I say several months ago now, uh, to get you on, and you had mentioned that you've listened to uh, several episodes before, um, so what are some of the episodes that you've listened to that stuck out to you? So, you know, I spent earlier this year a fair amount of time driving back and forth to Memphis, Tennessee for work. Yeah. And uh, it's about seven hours in the <laughs> car. And so I was looking for something to listen to, and I, I came across your podcast. And I'm a huge sucker for interview-style podcasts where it's people that I want to get to know better. And so I looked at the list of people you had spoken to, and I was like, well, I'd really like to learn more about that. So, you know, Liz Webb Bear is a friend of mine, and I learned something about Liz from listening to your podcast. Really? What did you learn about Liz? So I learned that Liz, you know, I knew she was from Karen Crow, but I didn't know, didn't really know her then. Yeah. So hearing her perspective on Karen Crow as opposed to, you know, she's lived in Lafayette the entire time that I've known her. Um, it, it was a great perspective there. Eric Crozier as well. I think I told you that your interview with Eric Crozier was right before the pandemic shut down. And so oh it was God. it was interesting hearing two people talk about, you know, you didn't know what was coming and and you kind of had some clue. And then, you know, I was like, oh, these guys, they, they don't know what we're about to go through when they're talking yeah, you like know, this. We had, I don't, a lot of people did not have a clue. Some people apparently had some clue, but uh, yeah, a lot of people, and I was one of those people that had zero clue what was about to happen. That's right. Right up until school shut down. I was like, <laughs> they're not going to shut down school. Don't be silly. I know, right? And then they did. And they did. So, all right. So now you are essentially in the hot seat. I, I'm not, it's not a hot seat, but it's, it, it's a hot seat. And nonetheless, um, we're going to be talking about, of course, all the school board stuff and tax assessor. But first, you grew up in Thibodeau. I did. What got you here from Thibodeau to Lafayette besides obviously going to school? Or was it primarily just to go to school? It was to go to USL. It was to go to USL. Um, Why I, USL? Like, was there, well, didn't, did New Orleans not have a comparable school or like why this area? So my dad went to USL in the late sixties and early seventies. Um, okay. His, o- his older sister, my aunt and uncle, my godparents, they live in Lafayette today. They were here when I moved here in 1995. Um, Lafayette has always been just this wonderful place that we would visit, always had just great experiences coming here. And, um, 
you know, I took a little bit of a circuitous route in that I went to the last two years of high school at the Louisiana School for Math, Science, and the Arts at Natchitoches. Okay. So I was a boarding student for the last two years of my high school. And when it came time to go to college, um, I was really interested in Lafayette, you know, really had a great time the times that I visited. Plus, it was very attractive to me that um, no one from my high school class was going to USL. And I don't know why that was, but uh, but it was really attractive to me to not know anybody to not know anyone. Yeah. So I moved to Lafayette in 1995 and uh, didn't know anyone except for my aunt and uncle, and uh, you know ended up meeting my wife. Uh, you know, like most men that are not from yeah. Lafayette, we we married a girl from Acadiana, and here and we and here we are. Yes, and I, I hear it all the time. Once you do that, there's pretty much no getting out. There's none. There's none. So right after college, my wife and I, we, we lived in Washington, D.C. when she was going to graduate school. And then, you know, it was exceptionally cold uh-huh. there. And, uh, you know, we were like, okay, so we can't stay here. Uh, where are we going to move? And, you know, she kind of looked at me with a funny look and said, what do you mean? What do you where mean? are we yeah. going to move? We're going to move to Lafayette. We're going back to where the food is good That's and right. the weather's warm. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, you know, it's a, it's a story like so many other people in Lafayette Parish yeah. have. You know, maybe they moved away. Maybe they're not from here, but, you know, Lafayette draws you back. And, and it's crazy. It's not just in that in that order where men move here because of a girl. There are some instances where uh, women have moved to Lafayette or have come to Lafayette, met a guy here, and the guy, if you have family here, let's just blanket this, gender aside, if you have family here, you probably are not moving very far. And if you do, you're coming back at some point. That's exactly you're right. You're usually a boomerang at that point. That is exactly right. So my, my wife is like that. My sister-in-law, my wife's younger sister is like that. They moved away. They came back. Uh, she brought a guy with her. That's not from Lafayette, <laughs> you know. And so um, you, I think you're absolutely right. And I think it's that aspect of family where there is a built-in expectation of you better have a good reason for not living here. Yeah, you know, right. right. And, and frankly, I don't think many people can come up with a good reason. Yeah. And I've even had a few people that were not native to Lafayette. They didn't find love life here or anything like that, but they found other loves in passion. And I, they, this one particular person, I won't go into who this person is because this is not about them at the moment, but their story, they lived in New York. They lived in Seattle, really progressive areas like Comparatively to Lafayette, some probably the most progressive areas in the country. And they were here for work and some other stuff. I'm like, why? And obviously work is really the main sticking point, but they they said they just they like the area. Obviously the food is good. Um I say I think this person did move away for work, but you know, I mean, it's just really cool to hear people's stories of like how they got here, why they are still here, whether they move later at any point in time is, you know, negligible. But it's just one of those things where it's, it's really cool to hear about people's stories. Well, what I think it is, is that Lafayette Parish with, you know, obviously we have a big city in the middle of the parish, but you also have Karen Crow and Dusan Scott and and Youngsville and Bruce. Sometimes Dusan. Dusan's kind of on the border. Well, Dusan, part of Dusan is in Acadia Parish, yeah. you know, but uh, <clears throat> but you have the, all of the municipalities that all offer something. Like there's something for everyone here in Lafayette oh, yeah. Parish, right? Like oh, yeah. if you want to live in an urban core, then Lafayette offers that. If, if you, you want to live in the country. If you want to live in the country, then you can go down Duyon Road to Judice and you can live in the country. If yep. you want to live where there's a world-class athletic complex, then Bruce Art and Youngsville have that ready for you. That's you know? crazy, and so, right? like, yeah. there's something for everybody, and I think that says a lot about Lafayette Parish, that we can attract such a diverse crowd that need, has diverse needs, but everyone can find their place and everyone can find where they fit in and become part of this community. And, you know, we welcome we welcome everyone. Yeah. So going back to um, education, you went to USL for um, for what initially? Because you graduated with a bachelor's in computer information systems. Like, did you go to school for computers? Was that like your goal, or what was the? No, so um, so I love math, okay. um, and I went to school. I figured I'd be a mechanical engineer because I, I tried to pick the the profession that paid the most that had the most math. Oh, right? I, didn't, I didn't put too much thought in it past that. Um, and so about three years in, I realized that mechanical engineers don't just uh, sit around solving calculus problems all day. And I was like, oh, I don't think this is what I want to do. What was the one thing that you you didn't expect? Like, why did you be like, okay, 
this is not it. Well, so it was it was really one of the design classes. Once you got out of the theory classes, you know, I was doing great in the theory classes and where all you did was solve physics problems and you yeah, know yeah, that's yeah. the math that, stuff. That's easy enough, right? And well, easy enough for my interests. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and we got into the design portions of it and kind of like the engineering management portion of the curriculum. And that was when I was like, "Ooh, I don't, I don't particularly care for this right here." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and then the teacher told me, "He's like, well, this is like eighty-five percent of the job, design and management." And I was like, "Well, that's not a selling point for me." And and so like I had always been interested in computer techie things, right? And so that was when they had just created a degree called Computer Information Systems, which is in the College of Business which was really attractive to me that you get that, that business portion of the education while also learning how to apply technology to solving business problems. Yeah. And so there were only three schools at the time that offered the degree, uh, Louisiana Tech, LSU, and Nichols. Uh, this is 1998. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so like, it just wasn't a thing yet. And uh, my parents still lived in Thibodeau. And so I went back to Thibodeau. I finished at Nichols in two semesters after or four semesters after changing majors and then I've been doing technology ever since nice all right so before we get any deeper into uh Justin and and into his other ventures and roles in Lafayette and what makes him kind of stuck in Lafayette now besides a woman um we're going to give you our sponsors here that help us keep the lights on it's funny to say that (laughs) because (laughs) <laughs> well, they are on. Yeah, they are on. Um, all right. So our first sponsor, and they've been with us for a long time. It is the Music Academy of Acadiana. Unleash your musical potential with the Music Academy of Acadiana. They have a top school in music. Uh, they teach classes in piano, guitar, voice, saxophone, flute, and audio production. So if you don't want to learn an instrument, if you want to learn like the more technical side, they have audio production, which is really cool. They have a world-class uh, uh, recording studio inside of their business. So it's like two businesses in one. It's founded by UL Lafayette Music School graduate Tim Benson. They've won national recognition and are consistently voted as, as a top music school in the area since 2016. Uh, ultimately, their goal is to make music lessons fun, educational, and to help foster the next generation of musicians and creative thinkers. You can check them out at their website, musicacademyacadiana.com. It's on your screen, or you can just uh, look at the caption of our video here or on the podcast. We have the links there. And then also, we have uh, Electronic Protection Systems, or EPS, as a lot of people refer to it. They are a 20-year-old, or uh, yeah, they've been in business for 20 years, so I guess a 20-year-old company in the Lafayette area. They are Acadiana's premier provider for smart home security systems and whole home water conditioning solutions, which is a new division that they just started. And coincidentally enough, I have both of these products in my house, not because they sponsor, but because... They came and sold it to me is essentially <laughs> what happened. <laughs> and um, I love the products. The security system was cheaper than a lot of the national competitors. And it's a local company. So I got that installed and I can uh, watch my cameras on my phone. It's really cool. can like arm my house from my phone. And then I can also uh, look at two weeks worth of video recording. So like if somebody does something in front of my house and I hear about it from a neighbor, and as long as they tell me within two weeks, I can go back and like look at what happens. So really cool. But the water conditioning systems are really cool too because uh, we have a lot, of, a lot of hard water in the area. And you, you can tell if you have hard, hard water, if you're a shower, um, faucets and all that stuff have that build up and also if, it, if the water feels like it it just like if you stick it's not sticky but like i know what you mean yeah it's something about taking a shower and it just feels like you don't have water on you it feels like i don't know anyway it's weird so i have nicknamed my water butter water butter water <laughs> and it feels like butter when you take a shower it like basically there's a system outside of your house or wherever they install it that filters out all of the hard water and chlorine and the smells and everything else. And your water is basically softened. It's conditioned. And when you take a shower or, you know, you drink water, it just feels so much better. Your hands and skin feel better. Uh, some of the major points about this is there's zero down payment, no out-of-pocket expense, no long-term contracts, and it's month-to-month. Really cool. Uh, that was what's, what was attractive to me. I didn't have to pay for the whole system outright. 
And uh, but yeah, improved taste, easy maintenance, stuff like that. You can check out more about them at their website eps-online.com. Their phone number is three three seven two three two two four eight seven. And also we have a link for you. So if you want to go check out more, it'll uh, basically. It's a referral link. It's they're gonna pay us if we sell something. So if you if you decide to go with them, just know that a portion of what you what business you get them will go to us. And that link is L I N K, which is link dot developing slash EPS. All right. And now I've been, I, and I've been in Lafayette long enough to know when I hear a two three two number, that's an established company. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> well, see, I have not been in Lafayette that long to know that. So good on you. Uh, I've been here since 2010, so I'm pretty sure at a certain point uh, I'll be like, "Hey, that was that was an old Lafayette thing." So like USL, I didn't know what USL was until I moved here. Yeah, man, you have more Lafayette knowledge than I do, but I'm learning it every day. Um, so yeah, now that our our main duties of the uh, sponsors are done, let's uh, talk a little bit more about like your career. So you graduated with a bachelor's in computer information systems. Where did you start working? Like what what initially did you start doing with that degree? Did so, you start using it in practice like right away? Yeah, so right out of college, I mentioned my wife and I moved to Washington, D.C. so she could go to graduate school. Um, I worked for a defense contractor, EDS, which was Ross Perot's company oh, wow. back in the nice. electronic data systems. But they, they had a uh, contract with the Pentagon to develop and maintain the software that issues the military ID cards. I don't know if you've ever seen them. They have a smart chip on them. Uh So right then, this is 2001, 2002. Right then, they were starting to roll those out. So I helped write the software that printed those cards, encoded the biometrics onto the the chip, and then maintained all the servers that that supported that operation. Yeah, it was, I mean, you know, I was 23 years old and I was like, well, this is kind of cool. Yeah. You know, I think I like, I feel like I made the right decision in getting out of mechanical engineering. A lot cooler than uh, design and uh, managing mechanical. It was definitely better for me. I'll tell you that much. Uh, But then, you know, like I said earlier, we, we had the pull back to Louisiana and back to Lafayette. And that was when I kind of switched over into uh, the financial industry. I started working for a mortgage lender at first, and then I moved on to Equifax for And that makes sense with your math love. Right, right. Uh, So Equifax for a couple of years, and then I worked for my first bank, uh, uh, Crescent Bank and Trust. And then I worked, then I got hired by Iberia Bank. Okay. And that was what, that's where I've been ever since. And throughout all of that, it's been using and managing and developing technology to deliver information to decision makers, customers, whatever it is, all with the focus on how do we reduce costs? How do we make the experience better? How do we just make life in general easier by using technology, right? Yeah. So like we all want to use technology. Your setup here is quite complex and impressive, but it has to save you money, yep. right? It has to get the job done. It has to save you money. It has to make financial sense. And so, you know, every day of my life is that's what I do with technology. Awesome. I don't get to talk to customers very often, you know, but I'm definitely in the back uh, making sure that when you go change your address in the branch and you come out and open up your app, that that address is showing in the app as okay, well. Okay, so like if your job is done wrong, that that the whole system is affected. When, when my job is done incorrectly, then customers notice. So yeah. the best possible outcome for me is that the customers never even notice that I'm there. That's that. That's, that's perfect. The best, yeah. po- best possible outcome. <laughs> because uh, very similar to the school board. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So great, great segue into that. So at what point did you get on to the the school board? Because you've been uh, you served two terms there, right? You're yes. ending your second term. Nine years. Wow. Nine years. Uh, so I ran in 2014. Okay. Uh, my oldest child was six. My children were six, four, and two at the time. Almost and ten years, man. Almost ten years. That's right. I didn't have all this gray hair before I was on the school board. <laughs> Uh, no. So my oldest child was going into first grade at Myrtle place elementary school. And, um, at that particular point in time, the school board was having some, let's just say they were having some issues. They were having some disagreements and, um, they weren't necessarily doing a great job at resolving them. We've heard a few of those. Yeah. Not, not doing a good job of resolving them in an amicable fashion. Um, but most of their friction 
from my point of view, appeared to be around budget and finance, right? Mm -hmm. And so kind of the joke I say is like, I don't know how to teach children. You know, that's why I send my kids to school, right? But what I do know is I do know budgets and finance. And I was like, well, I mean, this is somewhere I can contribute. And instead of complaining about it, I ran for the school board. I decided a week before qualifying. So qualifying just ended yesterday for this year's elections. So a week ago, nine years ago, was when I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run for the school board. And if I don't win, that's cool. Wow. You know, but I, but I feel like we need to offer a choice to the voters. And, and you know, I have a skill set that might be attractive to them. And so... Gosh, man, 2014, I'm trying to, I know you said that there was a lot of issues, and I know uh, one of the issues that people today was asking, because I just posted about uh, one of the newer schools that's being built in Karen Crow, formerly Karen Crow Heights, Karen Crow Bob Lilly. Karen Crow Bob Lilly. Okay. Um, and I also posted about Prairie Elementary uh, it opened yesterday. I was there to see those, those awesome. children. Their eyes were. I bet brand new, brand sparkly. new. Everything works. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> um, so yeah, just a, about a week or two ago, I posted about that being nearly complete, and similar in the comments section, people were like, "How is the school board or the Paris school system able to build these new schools without inquiring or requiring?" a tax increase and I don't have the answers for that. So today somebody also asked again about where's the money coming from? And it's, and I, and I just, I used a meme. I said magic. No, it's not magic. So I mean, I say this quite often, like it's not magic, you know? I mean, that's great. And I want to know how it's not magic. So with you here, I told them, I said, I have, a the vice president of the school board that's going to be with me. So now would be a good time to kind of figure out how is the not magic magicking at this point. Sure. So how are we building new schools in Lafayette Parish with new schools being planned to be rebuilt? Like how is all this happening? So it's I think it's a testament first off to the the first group of board members that I served with from 2014 to 2019. Um we had, it was incredibly diverse. We had three people in their 60s, two in their 50s, two in their 40s, and how, how many does that leave left? Like one or two in their 30s. Uh, we had a, an attorney, a pharmacist, a financial technology guy, right? We had a, a business owner. We had a former insurance salesman. We had, it was just a real wealth of knowledge and a real diverse set of skills. And we very naturally kind of focused on what interested us and where we thought we can contribute. And what I what we were able to do, and I, I give a lot of credit to my to my colleagues, then was um, I was able to convince them of like here's something we can do that will allow us to start addressing these facility needs, and it's going to be it's going to take diligence, and it's not going to be overnight, but eventually this will start to bear the fruit, and and the voters will start to see that we're able to do this within the existing tax collections that we already have, and so the the answer to your question is. This is no different than your household budget, right? So when you you bought, you own a home, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you bought your home, what was the process that you went through? You probably, were you renting before that? Uh, so we are in our second. Okay. Now we were renting. Obviously we were in an apartment before our first home and then got into our first home. Okay. There. So what you did when you're looking to, to change where you live or buy a new home, uh, expand, your family's getting bigger, whatever the case may be, you're going to take a look at your monthly bills, right? Mm -hmm. And you're going to say, okay, well, if I buy this house right here, what's my monthly payment? What's my mortgage payment going to be compared to what my mortgage payment is now? And so you're going to say, oh, it's going to be, let's just say $300 more per month. Well, you know, if you are spending every dollar that you make every month, well, then that's going to be difficult to afford, right? So you're going to have to cut $300 somewhere yep. or get a raise or, you know, you know, Three hundred dollars has to has to be there for you to buy that house, and so it's very similar to the with the school board. You know, we were paying teachers, buses, you know, doing everything that goes into operating a school system, and we made some cuts. In some instances, they were very, uh, very painful and very publicly painful. You know, we cut some transportation routes in two thousand seventeen. We changed the magnet academies it used to be door to door pickup and drop off. Now they have satellite stops. That's a very, what may seem like a small change, but it saved one and a half million dollars a year. Oh, God. When you're talking about an organization as large as the Lafayette Parish School Systems, yeah. very small changes 
can have a dramatic impact as far as how much money you're spending on an annual basis. And so we did some of that over the course of the last probably five or six years, the tax collections in both property taxes and sales taxes, with the exception of 2020, uh, has generally increased. And so we made a change that when we would do our annual budget in the spring of every year, we would purposefully lower, like keep our budgeted amount of sa- budgeted amount of sales tax revenues low. Like we had pretty reasonable degree of certainty that they were going to come in higher than that. And then we wouldn't make budget changes during the year to, to spend new money on different things. And then we did a second thing where at the end of the year, when we closed the books on the budget and we say, okay, here's what we thought we were going to get. Here's what we actually got. Well, then 90% of any of the overage there went straight into construction. Okay. And so really those changes right there, it's no, like I said, it's no different than your household budget. If you got a raise and you change nothing else about your lifestyle, well, what happens to that extra money? Hopefully it goes into your savings. Right. right, but you can do anything with it, right? You could go buy a new house and, and have an increased mortgage payment. So that's legitimately all we did was we just started being very mindful and very conservative with our budgeting and our finances, and the money was there the whole time. You just had to have the will and the um, I don't want to say intelligence because I don't want to insult anyone, but like you just had to think about it and be diligent and be purposeful about what it is you want to accomplish. And we wanted to we wanted to replace aging schools. Yeah, because I remember in the mid 2010s, it's weird to say it like that. Um, that a lot of the people were frustrated over how the schools looked with Butler buildings and whatnot, and just to, the thought process that those buildings have been there, some of them since the 70s, maybe even longer. Uh, I don't even know how long Butler buildings. There's were. one at Karen Crow High, Karen Crow Heights. Soon to be Bob Lilly. There's one that's been there since, I think, 1958. That is crazy. They can't get it out because it's in the middle. Yeah. Right? So we're not really using it anymore, but but it's, it's still there. Yeah, and I remember going to elementary and also being in a portable building. I don't know if it was a Butler building per se, but it was a building that was... A temporary building, yeah, right? It was not supposed not to be meant temporary. to be permanent. Correct. And I, I was just like, you know, I mean, I just thought that was normal because I was a kid, but... Looking at it as an adult, I'm like, man, this is, doesn't look good. And you, you go to other cities or other states, and these schools look super fancy. Or if you watch um, you know, sitcoms as a kid, uh, one of my favorite shows as a kid to watch was Power Rangers. And they, there was these kids in high school in California. Uh, and the, I think the show was set in Los Angeles, but they couldn't call it Los Angeles in the show. And their school looked fancy or even saved by the bell. Saved the by the bell. My school really didn't fancy. look like saved by the bell. Right. <laughs> so like to think now in 2023, we're finally in Lafayette Parish getting schools that more so even, even more now look like those schools that we remember seeing on shows and TV shows whenever we were younger. And I mean, I wish I, I wish I can kind of go back in time to go to these new schools and be like, enjoy the, the newness of it. <laughs> that's right. But it'll ne- it, that's never going to be the case. Yeah. But. So, you know, when I was elected in 2014, I think we had 430 classrooms, you know, like sometimes there's two classrooms in one of those buildings, yeah. but we had 430 classrooms that were not in permanent structures. Uh, by the time Lafayette High is open at the end of 2025, that number is going to be something like 90. Um, so wow. we will have gotten rid of 75% of the, the temporary classrooms. Um, and that was how we prioritized it really was combination of age of facility <clears throat> as well as how many non-permanent classrooms do you have on a campus. And that's where we focus. So we've built, I think, six new schools, six entirely new schools, and built wing additions at 12 more. Um, all within the last seven years. Okay, so do you have? I, I don't know. I know some of them. But do you have kind of a uh, a running list of some oh. of the schools that were brand new? Oh, the schools that were brand new. Okay, so that that'll be a lot easier. Yeah. Um, so Marshall Bo Elementary School in Broussard yep. is brand new. Yep. Uh, Lafayette High will be brand new. Prairie Elementary is brand new. Karen Crow Bob Lilly Elementary is brand new. Truman Elementary on the corner of Willow and University is brand new. And there is one more. That Southside High School yes. is brand new. Yep. That's right. Southside yep. High School wasn't there before. I know. And, like, the Southside High School build was a uh, great asset to Lafayette Parish. Also a great point of controversy. <laughs> <laughs> I, lived, I lived it. 
Yes. Yeah, I, I know you probably did. And it's funny because whenever we were walking through the new schools like Prairie, Karen Crow, and um, Truman, we were talking about the the Southside High and the, the, the conversations that were being had about that school spe- specifically around one... One aspect of the school that I, I felt like was the, the biggest point of contention about the school was a coffee shop. Sure. And in our conversations, you, you, you would laugh and you said, it's not really a coffee shop. It's like a bar with stools that has a Keurig at it. That, that's run by students, right? Like, it's not like there's a Starbucks in the school. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. And it's, that would it's, be crazy. It's, it's, that would be crazy. That's exactly <laughs> right. I mean, you know, if there was a commercial enterprise inside of our school, that would be a little far afield, I think. <laughs> is there? Are there schools in the States that have stuff like that, or is it... I would imagine there's a school somewhere that has something like that. You know, one of the things that was discussed uh, as part of a community discussion many years ago about Lafayette High was when we rebuilt it, should we try to put some kind of like promenade in front leading up to the school and then we could lease space out? You know, it's an interesting idea, but I think it probably starts to stray from the mission. Yeah, yeah, a, yeah, a little bit. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know? getting away from education. That's right. Uh, maybe have a food truck park there or something. Well, you know, I mean, think about it. Think about how valuable it would be to own a subway in that promenade, right? Right. Like, how many sandwiches right. would you sell every day if you had twenty four hundred students <laughs> right in front of your building? I know, but then, but then you would also introduce a new like difficulty of like, okay, school lunches are not being consumed more so than subway is. So like. You, you would almost have to think, do we need to cut back on our school lunches and save money there? And then, you know, then all of a sudden there might be a shift where people no longer want Subway. They go back right. to the school lunches. Right. So I feel like that would be a weird thing to balance. But, you know, I think the overall thing about Southside itself and the coffee shop kind of became the the avatar for the yeah. for what people were saying. What I took away from it was basically I think that it had been so long since we had built a new school in Lafayette Parish, that we didn't know what schools look like now. Yeah. You know, we drive through Texas and we look look on the side of the road like that. That's a school. That's a that's amazing, right? Yeah. But it's it's what schools look like now. And Lafayette High is going to be very similar. It's gonna it's gonna look different in that it's being built in an established neighborhood, and so it needs to look like it belongs in that neighborhood. But the interior of the school is going to be drastically different than what Lafayette High has now. Because that's what education is today. When was Lafayette High built? 1954, I think. Okay. Well, it was opened in 54, maybe started built in 1952. Okay. Some, somewhere in that area right there. So right at about 70 years old. What is the oldest school in Lafayette? Is um, it on I, I believe it is either Lafayette Middle School or um, Barranco Elementary School on the corner of Moss and Mud Street. Okay. So uh, Lafayette, Lafayette Middle School was opened in 1925. Lafayette Middle is at the corner of Congress and, and University. University. Yes. That's correct. That's correct. And that is an old school and oh, a beautiful it's a building. Beautiful, yes. beautiful building. We spend a lot of money making sure that we keep it up uh, because I think if you polled the community about should, you know what to do with that building right if there, you it'd be 100% in favor of do whatever it takes to keep, to it, keep it in shape. It. Yeah, you guys. I don't I know obviously your 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 time is up at the school board. <laughs> But whoever gets, if you're listening, if you're ever thinking about running for the school board, do not be in favor of demolishing that building. I live behind Lafayette Middle School, and you'll hear from me yeah. if you ever consider that. God, that would be, <laughs> I, I don't know if I would be able to deal with the comment section at that point. I'd be yeah. like, look. You just uh, as soon go try to cut down some oak trees somewhere. Yeah, oh, I know. Oh, especially the oak trees. Don't <laughs> mess with the oak trees. Um, but, you know, kidding aside, it's just... It's really cool to see what Lafayette Parish is doing with the schools, with the money that we already have. That's right. That is amazing. No a new lot taxes. Of, a lot of people are blown away with that because I want to say that it may or may not have been considered to do something similar with what the airport did, where we tax ourselves for six, 12 months, whatever that case looks like, you know, one, one, one cent on every dollar, one percent and build a brand new facility using that method because truth be told, the airport was 
for a lot of people, an unbelievable thing. They were like, oh, it's never going to happen. We're going to get our tax increase. We're never going to see it. We're going to keep an old dilapidated airport. And they delivered. Years. And d- they delivered. And every step of the way was all community connected, like the voting process of how do you want the airport to look? Now, it wasn't this, the look that we have now was not my choice at the moment, but I'm happy with where we ended because it's beautiful. Right. It is beautiful. And our taxes paid for it. That's right. So, and it's cool to see that we didn't have to go that route because now we didn't have to increase our taxes anywhere, any, any more than what we already do. And we have schools being built left and right. Uh, look, I'm, I'm just thrilled about it. Yeah. You know, like, like I said at the beginning, I don't, I don't know the teaching aspect, you know, like we have, I think 2,600 certificated teachers that work for us. And so I've always taken the position of we've got the, we've got the education covered, right? The education is, is going to be okay. What we have to worry about are the things that are not necessarily uh, what you think of when you think of being on the school board, because being on the school board typically is sold as, well, it's all about education and it's all about the children. And it is about the children and the education, but to make the education happen, you got to worry about a transportation system that we spend. You want to take a guess how much we spend per day on transportation? Um, I'll take a ballpark figure, 10000 Okay, we spend 100000 a day oh. on transportation. There's wow. over 230 bus routes, Yikes. 230 buses on the road. Gas is expensive. And then you got you to gotta pay the people to drive the buses. Gas is expensive. Insurance ex- is expensive. We have to pay the bus drivers. Yeah, it it's an incredibly complex system that appears to be very straightforward and simple, right? Yeah. But you got to worry about transportation. We have the largest hundred thousand uh, a day. So when we, when we made that change to the magnet Academy stops, we saved $5,000 a day. So it was times 182 God. days. So I mean like, you know, the scale of the operation, we have the largest health insurance plan in the parish. We're the okay. largest employer in the parish. Everything that goes along with HR and, and benefits and things like that. So, you know, there's a lot that goes on outside the schools that we have to pay for that we have to really pay attention to. And that's where we can generate tremendous savings that allow us to put the money back on campus where the children are impacted the most. Okay. So, and I, I don't know if you predicted me asking this question or not, but it's just one that came to mind and I have a feeling that people would be curious. What about teacher pay? Is that something that is controlled via you guys or is that a state thing? So it's controlled. We have control over how much teachers get paid with the exception of when the state legislature appropriates money for teacher Got pay. It. And when, when the state legislature does that, we get that money from the state and we are obligated, and we do, pass it along to the teachers directly. Okay. So I remember back in the early 2000s, like I was still in high school, probably maybe even middle school, and I, I remember my cousin uh, graduating college. Uh, she went to L.A. Tech mm-hmm. and became uh, a certified teacher and then later became uh, got her, ba- uh, her master's and was able to be a principal and all that good stuff. But – when she first got her her certificate to teach and her her degree, her first move was move to Texas, where my, my younger sister as well. Like the, over twenty years ago, that she was starting pay was thirty thousand, mm-hmm. and I don't know what starting pay for teachers was twenty years ago here or roughly, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't thirty thousand. So, where are we at on average for teacher pay here, and what does it look like? to be comparable to a a place like Texas, which obviously has a completely different economic sphere. So I think, I think it's helpful to to approach it from the way that the school board does as far as budgeting goes. So um, we budget every year for a teacher, right? So the average teacher in Lafayette parish gets paid right at about $50,000 a year. That's what the average teacher, you know, some, okay. make, some make more, some make less, but that's what the average teacher. Um, we budget a little bit over $70,000. So there's $70,000 worth of cost to employ a teacher in Lafayette Parish, but there's only 50000 of it goes directly to the teacher. The remainder of that goes to pay for the retirement system. So their future retirement benefits, we have to contribute a portion to the state of Louisiana retirement system for that teacher. We have to pay for their health insurance. We have to pay for whatever other benefits may be in there. But 
that extra 20,000, 21, 22,000, whatever it ends up being, that's cost to the Lafayette Parish school system. So while the teacher only may see 50, it costs the taxpayers right about 70, 71, $72,000 a year wow. to, em- to employ a teacher. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, it's... But 50000 I mean, I feel like 50000 is good for... I, I don't know. But I don't know what... I think what, it's good relative to other nearby school systems. And well, yeah. And, yeah, we yeah focused, Louisiana, right. and we focused a lot on, on trying to give increases in pay and stipends to teachers whenever we could two nights ago we gave them a tw- we gave every employee a $1200 stipend uh and call it a, a retention stipend right and um they we've been able to do several of those over the last few years trying to maintain and retain our workforce but it's it's an ongoing struggle like any business i mean any business faces this every day is how do you retain quality employees and you know that's another aspect of being on the school board of doesn't really have much to do with education per se. This is almost purely a human resources issue. Right, right. right? And so uh, making sure that we're able to retain and attract new teachers, retain the teachers we have, retain the quality talent that we have, it's an ongoing struggle to make sure that we're, we're addressing that. Um, I don't know if you have data on this, but do you know if what the rate of teachers leaving Louisiana for other states versus – Staying here, like what that looks like. I don't know what that is. Like I said, anecdotally, you yeah. know, just like your cousin, my sister, my younger sister graduated from UL in 2001. She did her student teaching at JW Falk, and then she took off for Houston. She's been there ever since. She's not coming back. Oh God! You know, okay. she's not coming back. Um, and that's and that's you know disappointing. Yeah, right there that yeah. uh, we couldn't get her a job that would satisfy her in Lafayette and let her raise her family here and build her life here. Um, I don't know about going to other states. I know we are doing very well as far as attracting teachers from other parishes, trying to get enough teachers here in Lafayette. And we've been very fortunate relative to other parishes that our tax collections allow us to do that, allow us to pay some stipends and some bonuses and, and offer some benefits that maybe other parishes aren't fortunate enough to be able to provide. Okay. Well, so we are at 42 minutes and I want to segue into a perfect situation here. So, the Lafayette Parish School System is funded via taxes from the properties and, of course, some other things I'm sure that you'll speak on. But now that your term limit is up for the school board, you are running for tax assessor. That's correct. Which is a direct in line source to what keeps the schools running. That's correct. Which is very interesting. I find it incredibly interesting. I'm in a distinct minority of people that find it interesting, you know, but I think we all understand that it's incredibly important. I think you find it. I think you find the work interesting. I do. I think people in general find it interesting that the connection makes sense. Yeah. I I, I like to crack jokes and make fun of myself a little (laughs) bit. Right. The way I say it is, you know, how many people in the parish would, you know, get out of bed every day and genuinely be excited to go, do the work of assessor, no. like five, you know, <laughs> yeah, something like, like that. I'm, yeah. I'm one of them. You're one of them. I'm There's four of other people probably. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of the five. So in 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 a condensed matter, you know, because I know we can probably talk about it a lot longer, is what is the role of tax assessor first and how it relates to the, the school board system or the school system. So I think tax assessors a lot like being on the school board where on the surface, the school board is, it's all about education, right? Tax assessors is all, it's all about telling you what your property's worth and how much you owe to the various taxing <laughs> right, authorities right. in the parish. And I just got my paper telling me that uh, it went up a little bit. Which is what, which is what everyone's interaction with the assessor's office generally is once a year, sometime around October or September, you <laughs> yep. get your, you get your bill. Here's what your about your property's worth and here's where it's located. And you have to pay this to the city of Lafayette, this to the Lafayette Parish school system, this to the airport, this to the sheriff, you know, all that. Right. Yeah. But under the covers of the work that goes into getting that piece of paper in front of you is I think incredibly complex. And it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of math and it's a lot of technology. A lot of stuff that you like. A lot of stuff that I like, right? It's a lot of the stuff that I focused on on the school board. And, you know, it's once again a situation where I see the Lafayette Parish need, has a need 
I have a skill set where I think I can contribute, and I find I find it incredibly interesting. And so, <laughs> right. uh, I mean, and so you know, that's why I'm running for assessor is to make sure that because when you the assessor if, if the assessor's job is not done well, then everything suffers, not just the school system, right? Because every municipal municipality except for Broussard levies property taxes. Why not Broussard? They choose not to. So if you if you don't like property taxes, I'm gonna, yeah, that's a loaded question. Who likes property taxes, <laughs> right? right? But, but they have the lowest property tax rate in Lafayette Parish because okay. they pay property taxes to people in Broussard, pay property taxes to the school system and the sheriff and, uh, you know, the assessor himself and, you know, all these parish-wide bodies. The city of Broussard does not levy any property taxes where every other municipality does. Okay. Okay, so the city doesn't take taxes, but they the, they... St- they, they still have to pay parish tax. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone Got in Lafayette it. Parish has to pay parish taxes. Absolutely. So, but, but as a consequence. And airport and all that good stuff. Right. Yeah. As a consequence of that, you know, if the assessor's job is not done well, then teachers can't get paid. Roads can't get built. Police can't get paid. Firemen can't get paid. Drainage projects might That's not happen. That's a lot. I mean. That's a lot connected. You know, a lot more than I thought. That fundamental function of government in my mind, right? So like it, it goes back to what makes your property valuable? What made you buy your house? Right. This is how our families build wealth in Lafayette Parish. And what made you buy your house has a lot to do with the government services that you that service your property. You know, like you probably wouldn't have bought your property if there was not a road that led to it. Right. You probably at least <laughs> at least in a for a small period of time, check to see, is there a police department that services my property? What do I do if I have a fire? Mm. You know, does my property flood? Does, you know, is what school can I send my children to, right? Like all of these things go into what makes your property valuable. And when you receive those services, your property increases in value, right? Well, the taxes that you pay on the property that fund these services, the increase in value, here's the central point. The increase in value that you receive from the taxes that you pay needs to be more than the taxes that you pay, right? It needs to be an investment in your property, this is how we build wealth. This is how we build a great real estate market where people want to invest their money into property, into homes, because they know that this is going to be a good investment and yeah. not an investment that decreases in value. So I hear a lot about property taxes, obviously, especially when you're talking about the school system and all that. And then, of course, you, you know, the, 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 the police department, fire department. But I also hear about it. In relation to going back again to Texas, a lot of people say, oh, you know, let's just move to Texas because they don't have income tax, but cool. the <laughs> property got, tax. Boy, they got property tax. <laughs> the property tax I hear is a lot more. I don't know how much property taxes are in Texas. I've never owned a property in Texas. It's, it's significant. So give me an example. Like, can, give me a comparison of what a property tax in Lafayette would look like, whatever that would look like here. And give me something similar, if you know it, for I Texas. I don't know. So uh, so I seem to recall my younger sister telling me that she had a uh, $20,000 property tax bill one year. Um, her home was not extravagant. You know, it might have been assessed at $400,000, something like that. You know, it's it was a nice home. It was in a good area, had good schools. Um, but she, I mean, she paid some taxes on that thing. You know, okay. um, Lafayette Parish, relative to other parishes in Louisiana, we're somewhere in the high 50s or low 60s as far as our our total property tax liability that gets assessed against your property. So uh, I think we're doing very well with the services we're able to provide for our for our citizens relative to the to the total tax liability that you pay. Right. And that's the balancing act really is I think where the the admiration for Texas comes from is people see what they're getting for their tax money and they can see that their property is going to increase in value because they're using that tax money to fund schools, fund roads, fund drainage, fund police, and fund fire, right? All of these government services that I mentioned increase the value of your property. And here's an interesting, like I do know this fact, a person living in Katy, Texas and a person living in Lafayette, Louisiana have generally speaking, roughly the same overall tax liability. Okay. So that person in Katy, Texas and the person in Lafayette pays roughly the same amount of taxes to the federal government, state government, local government. 
you know, the difference in Louisiana is how we structure our taxes. In Louisiana, we have the income tax and we have, you know, several business taxes that get sent to the state of Louisiana. And then we have some local taxes that we all pay as well. Well, Texas does it just a little differently in that they don't send nearly as much money to the state government. They, they more concentrate their money locally. Okay. And so I think a lot of times when you have the majority of your tax money going to the local government, you get a better outcome because, you know, I mean, our city council right here, I see my city councilman every now and then can't tell you the last time I saw my congressman, can't tell you the <laughs> last time I saw my state senator, right? I mean, like, right. there's just local government, I mean, you know, they got to go shop at Rouse's just like I do. Yeah. And so you're going to see them and they're going to know, they're going to have their finger on the pulse of the community and what the community needs and what the community wants a little bit better than someone who's a little more removed, I think. And it's not to say, you know, the, the state senator's doing a bad job. It's just he's not as close to the people as a school board member or a city councilman. Yeah. And so it's funny you mentioned earlier uh, Liz Webb Abair. Now, Liz is not my councilwoman. Um, I live in the unincorporated portion of the parish, so I have a different councilman. I think uh, Brian Tabar. Brian Tabor. Yep. So, um, but... Speaking about Liz, and she her, her district covers a good chunk of the center of La, uh, Lafayette, and I think even part of River Ranch area. Yes. Yep. So a couple days ago, maybe maybe yesterday, I can't remember. It's, this week's kind of flown by because it's school week. Um, I posted about the cell service in River Ranch just blowing. <laughs> like, it sucks. I mean, it's it's terrible. It's bad. <laughs> And everybody complains about, you know, being on Camellia, going over the bridge, and your music cutting out, or your, your call cutting out, uh, you know. And I, I had mentioned that going on Verot, or Vero, whatever you want to call oh, it, don't Ver- come at me. It's Vero. It's Vero, oh, I know, but I, I did a poll, and like 80% of the people say Verot. Hey, I'm going to tell you right now, I uh, used to say Verot, and I had a member of the Vero family oh, contact yeah. me, oh, and yeah. ever since then, it's Vero. Yeah, exactly. So Vero I, for me. I say both in tandem because I feel like it. I need to touch both people. I'm not an elected guy, so I don't have to worry about not that. Not me, man. It's Pharaoh. <laughs> That's a whole other discussion. So um, going back to Vero School Road, when you say Vero in school, it kind of tongue twists. But anyway, um, they have 5G UW. I don't know if you know what 5G UW is. I'm a tech guy. I know what yeah, UW is. Yeah, obviously. Um, I was going to Erath to visit a business, and I looked at my phone, and it said 5G UW. I'm like, uh-uh, not in Lafayette. Mm-hmm. And I have Verizon. I was like, I looked at my maps not long ago, and there's no 5G here at all. Not even, like, fake 5G. Right, or, right. And I'm like, dude, 5G UW. I said, if anywhere in Lafayette, of course it's near Youngsville. Of course. So I did a speed test. I got well over 300 megabits down driving wow. on Verot. That's, that's fantastic. I'm like, that's fantastic. dude, what in the world's going on? So, and then I come back into Lafayette near River Ranch and I have nothing. You might as well, I, might as well have a pager. I, I, and I, and I, I think I mentioned, I said, the only way that people in River Ranch can communicate is via carrier pigeon. Yeah, <laughs> like I, senior I, saw text. The, I saw that. <laughs> and then not long after, like literally like probably two seconds after I posted that, Liz Webb texted me, hey, just want to let you know AT&T has a tower being built or like about to be finished right there in, in the center of uh, River Ranch area. I'm like, oh, how'd they convince them to let that happen? I, I, it's behind walk-on. So maybe there's okay. like, uh, it's just far enough away from the, the beautification of River right, Ranch. Right. And so at least that's what some people say, the higher ups of River Ranch didn't want a tower. Well, look, I mean, I mean, they've got a great HOA over there, a very strong HOA. Their and, own police system. And, I mean, they, you know, if they don't want it, then yeah, I mean, that's fine. It. It's not, right. it's not for me to. I mean, I can complain all I want. I don't live there. Right, right. <laughs> you know, I'll, yeah. And there's only a select few people that live there, and they didn't want a tower there. So they didn't that's want a tower. <laughs> but so the tower is being built, or I think it's already built, but I think it's being completed soon behind walk-ons. Okay. And so she said it's an AT&T tower, but I said, well, what about Verizon? Does Verizon? funnel through that and I'm, I'm assuming that it's leased out to the others mm. so that it funnels but um yeah I, I can't wait for that but to speak on liz she was quick to say okay let me find out now she's i think she's still trying to find out more about it but uh, other people have said they've seen verizon's information on the, the the stuff but it's just really cool to see that liz was quick to respond 
No, Liz is fantastic. I admire her ability to to remain that engaged. Yeah. At what feels like all times. I know, right? all and, the time. And and I think it might be just a little bit of uh, the younger generation, which I'm, I I still try to include myself in. I think you're still on the border there. Even, even though even though I, you're like I'm, I'm like Miss. Like, I feel like I'm barely on the border here. Councilwoman Amer, I believe, is a millennial. I am Generation X. You know, so yeah. that dividing line is right between us. But um, I, you know. I can remember, I'm probably the the last generation that can remember not having computers, mm-hmm. right? I'm, I can remember not having any cell I can remember going to Mardi Gras and looking for your friend. And then if you weren't on the exact corner at the exact time that y'all agreed on, like That's that was it. it, you know, you weren't finding each other. But it's, we've also, you know, we were the early adopters of what modern technology is now. And so communicating that way is kind of natural to us and secondhand to us. And yeah. so, um, you know, I think that has some something to do with it, not an age thing or a desire thing to to be engaged like that. It's just that's how we've kind of grown up. Yeah, yeah. So to round this conversation off, um, so what are you doing? I guess what is your plan for Lafayette Tax Assessor? Is it just to get in there and to make sure it runs consistently like it should? Or, like, is there improvements that need to be made? What does that look like? Why would somebody vote for you versus any other person running for tax assessment? So, fortunately, I've thought about this. Okay. Right? Um, yeah, I'm glad you did. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I mentioned earlier that, you know, on the surface, it's you receive your bill in the mail. But yep. what goes into producing that bill and making sure that the numbers on that bill are right and accurate and fair, right? Because, I mean... You know, nobody wants to pay property taxes. We certainly don't want to pay more property taxes. But I got to be able to look at my neighbor. And as long as the neighbor's paying roughly the same amount as me, if he has the same kind of house, well, like, you know, it's at least fair. Yeah. Right. But what goes into that is you, you have to have an assessor that um, is a tax policy expert. So our municipalities, when they are trying to do their long-term budgeting, their long-range forecasting, they want to know how their tax structure will impact their forecasted revenues because they have to deliver the police and the fire and the roads and the drainage, right? The school system needs to know the same thing so that they can know based on projected population growth, do we need to build a school somewhere? And how can we fund building that school within existing taxes. So the assessor plays a role with all of these taxing authorities in making sure they have good long-range budget information so that they can plan. At the same time, the, the tax assessor needs to make sure that our citizens have a relative, relatively good expectation of what their tax liability is going to be, right? Like, you don't want to get a 30% increase in your taxes, right? No. Because... Because then your mortgage bill goes up. Well, then your mortgage bill goes up, but also it's the surprise of it, Mm -hmm. right? Because now that's extra money out of your pocket that maybe you were planning on having to pay for something else. So I think that's certainty right there, and that comes from being a tax policy expert. you got to be a technology expert as well because this is all technology now. You know, we have 40,000 parcels of property in Lafayette Parish, and how do you manage that? It's all all big, big data, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's what I do for a living. But then... You know, finally, I think what you have to be, and this is, I think, the most important part, is like you have to be humble and have that humility that when you do get it wrong, because it's inevitable that you're going to get it wrong, you do get it wrong and someone comes to your office and says, hey, I got, uh, this is incorrect and, I, and this is why I think it's incorrect. How would you know if it's incorrect? Like, so would I go to my neighbor and say, let's compare tax bills? Well, the, the thing about technology is you can go on the assessor's oh, yeah, website can, yep, and you correct. can see what everybody pays in taxes right, across right. Lafayette Parish. I, I've actually have done that. Yeah. I, look, I mean, look, this is, I mean, that's a part of it, right? The technology. That's a being a little nosy, but hey, I've done it. Yeah. Technology changes so quickly today that yep. you're have to going to have to continually invest in technology in an effort to bring down the cost of running the office. Remember, that's what I do is is technology, information, delivering it to the people who need it that makes the operation more efficient and cost less. But you go look at it, and, I mean, you get a tax bill you don't agree with. The first thing I do, I would do, is, like, what's what's Joe, my neighbor, paying, right? And if there's a significant disparity, well, then... How how up-to-date? So let's say I got my... This is not a bill document, even right. though it says this some is not stuff. a bill. But here's what here's here's what's coming. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So how fast will I know what my neighbor 
is expected to pay versus what I'm expecting. To pay. It should be. So that bill comes from the same, I believe comes from the same system that yep. feeds the website. So like you should be able to go up there and sit, look at your property and see the exact numbers that are on your bill and then go to your neighbors and see the exact numbers that are on their bill. And you can compare it. And a lot of times what it is, is, is um, the assessor's office, maybe there were some improvements to the property and they, they misunderstood what the improvements actually were and they would reduce it. Okay. You know? Okay. Um, and so you get it wrong and you have to be humble enough to, to not be a know-it-all and accept facts and the way they are and be able to change your mind about something. Um, yeah. And that's something that being on the school board has taught me is <laughs> learning how to accept facts that maybe I have a different opinion going in, but be able to be persuaded uh, yeah. uh, by facts, right? Like not, not opinion and not, not anger, right? Because, you know, the first... Emotion can get involved. Right, right the emotion yeah. can get involved. I mean, right? You open the tax bill, you mm-hmm. see a 30% increase, and, and what's the first thing? Oh, right? <laughs> Another grip. Right? But like, if it is wrong, then there's a reason why it's wrong, right? And yeah. so we just have to determine what that reason okay. is and where the misunderstanding was and come to a resolution. Okay. You know, so I think that's the... Those are the qualities of a tax assessor. And, you know, if you're looking for a tax assessor that, that knows technology, has led budget reforms, has done all of these things that make an effective assessor, then I'm just the nerd for the job. All right. All right. Well, that is good to say this is an episode worth listening to. Um, I, I am glad to have you on. I enjoyed it. I, I, I think talking about the schools and – I feel like everything just kind of segued into each other. And I think that uh, is a testament to your career choice, um, how everything is led up. So, which is really cool. And in a a few weeks from now, I actually have another candidate for tax assessor coming on. So I am curious (laughs) to hear this other person's perspective and the, the different challenges and the, the future casts, I guess, for what tax competition is great, right? Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. that's how we get to a better Lafayette Parish is by presenting competing visions and letting the voters yeah. make the decision. Yeah. Awesome. So if there's one thing that you would have to leave people on, not necessarily to give you the, the platform to, to sell per se, but if there's one thing that you can leave people with, what would that be before we close out? So it's it's fairness, it's transparency, it's competence. You know, I, I often joke with people that what gets me out of bed to be on the school board every day is the finance aspect of it. And that's, I think, when we focus on what our skill sets are and where we can contribute individually to Lafayette Parish, then we are all better off. And that was what will continue to make Lafayette Parish just a wonderful, wonderful place to live. And hopefully my children, who they were 6'4 and 2 <laughs> yep. when I ran for the school board, they're 15, 13, and 11 now. And, you know, I'm starting to think about are there opportunities for them when they graduate from you college? You don't want them to move. I don't want that. I'm just like everyone else. I don't want them to move. They have family here. They need a good reason not to live here. Right, right, right. right. I'm starting to think about, you know, nine years ago, I was thinking about their education. Now I'm starting to think about what are the opportunities that they're going to have when they're older and they start their families. And I will continue to work every day to make sure that they have a place to live and call home in Lafayette. Awesome. Well, cool. I think that is all we have for today. That is a little over an hour, which is just perfect um yeah i don't think i have anything else man uh, <laughs> there was I, th- I think there was one last thing that i was going to ask you but uh it was probably so minor that um i think where we ended is good um well good luck to you running for tax assessor and your next uh step in your i, I don't want to say in your career but it's careers public service public service you know i mean that's that's the thing about public services is when you have the desire and the will to serve um it's not for everyone i can tell you um (laughs) but and i think miss abear would tell you the same thing oh yeah but it's not for everyone but there is a tremendous amount of personal satisfaction that i get from serving the public and um you know that's that's why i want to keep doing it awesome well if anybody wants to learn more about you Besides listening to this podcast, um, where can they go? They can go to justincentani.com, J-U-S-T-I-N-C-E-N-T-A-N-N-I.com. All right. Are you, uh, are you, uh, are you technologically 
an app to put it in the comment section? No, I can do that. Two seconds. There you go. <laughs> and, I, and I asked that question, obviously knowing that you'd know how to do that because you being a technology guy, uh, who am I? Who am I to say, like, well, this guy doesn't know what 5G is. <laughs> do you know what 5G you Do oh, you know Lord. what 5G is? All right, all right. Well, guys, uh, that is all we have for you today. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Justin, again, thank you for coming on, and I hope that uh, it was everything you expected it to be. I enjoyed it immensely. Awesome. Well, that's good to hear. And if you guys want to listen to the audio version, uh, I will be having all of the past audio versions that I need to edit, including this one up, hopefully during next week. So you'll be able to listen to the podcast in your car if you wish, or if you don't mind playing on YouTube, I think YouTube Music has the podcast now too. So if you just say, "Hey, uh, Siri, play this song," even though I don't, Siri, just listen. Crap. If you want your phone to play, you could just say the T podcast. It should come up, and if not, uh, it's a, it should be an easy search. But it'll be on Apple, Google, all those other places. But this version right now will be on YouTube. Uh, it's YouTube Live, and it also be on YouTube Music as a podcast. So if you want to listen to it immediately after this, you can. Or if you want to send it to somebody, you can. But I'll have the other audio versions up next week. Awesome. All right, Justin, again, hopefully you have a great day, and good luck to your uh, candidacy and see where you go. Six, I, 64 days, we'll know. I know. Oh, that, what I was going to ask you, is it October 14th? October 14th. There you go. Early voting starts three weeks before that. October 14th is a busy weekend. We've yeah. got an LSU game at home against Auburn. We've got festivals at Cotillian that day. So if, busy. You, if you're going to do either of those two things, please vote early. Yeah, and this is for the governor of the state. All of it. Governor, this is for mayor, the mayor, president. Wild, a wild time. The entire Lafayette Parish School Board, the entire oh, Lafayette City Council, God. the entire Lafayette Parish Council. It's going to uh, be wild. We're going to have some state rep races on there, the governor, all the statewide offices. So it's, um, you know, plan ahead yeah, because yeah. it's going to be a busy weekend. And then you you just download the the, um, the voting app, right? There's like a ballot where you can like pre-select all your stuff. So like if you get nervous, because I know when I get in that ballot box, I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I'm like feeling rushed. And I'm trying to read everything real quick. You can do it through the app. You can just kind of read everything at, at your own pace and pre-select all the little stuff. That's so right. when you get into the voting booth, just look at what you already clicked. That's right. See? See? I'm trying to figure it out. Technology is great, isn't it? <laughs> Technology is amazing. <laughs> and uh, I enjoyed talking about that and more with you. So, And with that, uh, this is it, man. I uh, hope you have a great one. I hope you have a great Friday, too. All right. That's it, guys.